0: Will ice baths make you a better fighter? Is CrossFit ideal for mixed martial artists and law enforcement? What is down regulation and why is the lack of it killing our police officers? Eat all fat, eat like a caveman. What the hell should I eat? What's great for optimal performance? Well, SWAT team, cop, CrossFit coach, and nutrition coach. Anthony Shefferly and I talk about this and more on The Fight Focus. I met Michael earlier in this year in Indiana when Eli and I, or Eli Knight and I, taught a workshop at his gym. He's a really smart dude who also happens to look like Thor from the Marvel comic books. As a matter of fact, after our podcast, I ended up hiring him as a nutritional coach to do a personal experiment on myself and for some of my, uh, my fitness and training goals moving into this year. On the show, we discuss, is CrossFit ideal for law enforcement and fighters? And should all people and athletes do Olympic lifting? Why should we do ice baths and cold showers? The ketogenic diet, this trend and its relation to performance and health, the importance of down regulation and how to optimize it, and much, much more. This podcast is brought to you by the Muay Thai University, which is my instructor training program it's designed to teach the art of communication and leadership through Muay Thai kickboxing. Our next coach clinic is August 18th and 19th at Fit to Fight in Charlotte, North Carolina. Really excited about that. This is our, my new hub, my new uh, home base or headquarters, and um, we're going to have a good time. We're going to learn how to not only do Muay Thai, but how to teach Muay Thai and to be a proper communicator and develop your teaching and leadership ability. Great stuff. Looking forward to it. If you are interested in, in registering for this, go to www.buckgrant.com and register there. This podcast is also brought to you by The Hard Ready Experience. October 5th through 7th it will be a three-day event here at uh, Fit to Fight in Charlotte, North Carolina. And this event will be taught by SWAT team officers, former SF members, mixed martial arts fighters like myself, martial artists, and various teachers through different walks of life. And the general theme is emotional toughness and mental toughness through the combative arts. I've been a member of, of this organization, this event, since its inception. We did Hard Ready One Uh, I believe that was a year and a half ago, and it was one of the most impactful experiences I ever had. I taught at it, and then I took the course just like all the instructors there. And that's a very unique experience, having the instructors who teach a course actually participate in it as students. Really, really great time. If you want to participate in that, go to www.hardready.com and register there. Without further ado, here is Anthony Shefferly on The Fight Focus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fight Focus. I am here with Anthony Shefferly. Um, I met Anthony, how long ago was that, man? Like a couple of months ago in Indiana?
1: Man, it's probably, yeah, at, at least two or three months now.
0: Yeah. We were doing the uh, a workshop, me, or Eli and I were teaching, and um, I met you through Dr. Megan Horn, who I'm actually interviewing a little bit later. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know much about you, and so I had to do, like, back research after, like, I got to the place, and I started talking to you about, um, you know cold therapy and training. And I'm like, geez, this guy's smart, man. Like <laughs> I got it. And that sounds funny, right? But like, okay, I, I know that, you know, and we'll do the intro, but I you know you're, you're a SWAT team cop. You place what, 16 in the CrossFit games. What year
1: was that? Well, that was, that was the, uh, the central East regional that was yeah. back in 2012. Yeah. 2012. And that was yep. pre Reebok. Uh, no, that was the second or third year Reebok was involved. Oh, That's the step. The region. So it, games are like the stuff you see on ESPN and really regionals are on, on like televised on ESPN now too, I think. But, uh, that's the next step below the games. Okay. Yeah. So like
0: I was looking at the correlation between, you know, military law enforcement, mixed martial arts and CrossFit. Yeah. And you know, I did, I, I got into CrossFit. I had a, a jitsu coach that got me into it. Several man, this would have been twelve years ago, something like that. Um, I did my CrossFit cert, and Coach Glassman was still teaching them. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that know, was back there, man. Know, way back, it was like a four-day thing, and uh, I was completely new to it. And um, and now, of course, it's you know CrossFit has spread like wildfires all over the place. But I've always wanted to know, like, what is what do you think is the correlation between? people in, I would say, extreme lines of profession like yourself no. and yeah. CrossFit, what do you think the correlation is
1: that? Uh, the, the correlation I would say is the, uh, like with everything that you just said, the one thing that jumps out to me, you know, military law enforcement, MMA, um, CrossFit all, all is, is very, very intense, right? Like you said, extreme, but it's the intensity that really draws us to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um uh, most of us, and you can take, take CrossFit gyms as an example, are uh, pretty intense people. Like, there's not a whole lot of middle ground with them, you know? So, so uh, yeah, I would say that is the common theme. And then inside of that, and, you know, I mean, lately what, what we've been working on in the gym and with nutrition clients is understanding how to apply that intensity in an appropriate fashion. And, uh, yeah, so th- I would say that is that is the number one thing that kind of jumps out to me with that. mm like,
0: we were, I had guys doing CrossFit for, you know, when I first got into it, I was, I, it, by accident, my fighters started doing it for strength and conditioning because they saw me walking into the gym and hanging rings up and getting, <laughs> buying a row machine. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, the stuff called CrossFit, you check it out. And next thing you know, my guys are doing CrossFit with me. Um, but you and I talked about like the differences between programming for, like, let's say a fighter, um, an average person and like somebody getting ready for the CrossFit games. And I don't think people really understand like a, a distinction between the do. Do you, do you see a distinction between the programming between these
1: different types and why? Well, the the biggest issue when you're talking about programming is application of the programming. So, um, a lot of the stuff I, I'm sure that like, when you sent me the list of questions, like, Hey, this is stuff I'd like to go over. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that jumped to, jumped to mind with that was, uh, you know, is, is Ryan Hoover. And when you guys did your, your, uh, your talk the other day, everything you asked Ryan, uh, or everything you, when you, when you hear him talk is very, it depends. Yeah. Right. So, so hard ready. That's, that's, uh, I had some buddies that were down for that and it was, I was like, well, what were the takeaways? And the takeaways were, it depends. Yeah. So (laughs) This is going to be a lot of that, right? It's the same shit. So when you talk about programming for specific populations inside of CrossFit, CrossFit is a general group program, right? And inside of that group, there's going to be people with different goals, right? One could be weight loss. One could be strength gain, one could be MMA, one could be CrossFit competitions, right? The same program will work, generally speaking, but it's the application of that program for the specific person. And that's where those individual conversations need to happen with coaches and athletes. Hmm. Or athletes need to ask those questions to the groups that they're training with. Is this the most appropriate application for this this workout for what I want to accomplish? And uh yeah, is there a difference? Yeah, there's definitely a difference. Now, with that said, going back to your CrossFit level one days, everyone has the same general demands; it, they just vary by degree. So, we all have to make the same shapes. You make the same shapes in fighting that we do in CrossFit. You know, you hinge, you squat, you push, you pull. Um, but how do you apply that based on your specific needs for your sport? You know, is that? Uh, yeah, that makes it makes total sense. Um, and if I think
0: like some of the argument, of course, with 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 how people understand CrossFit is like there's the efficacy versus the safety aspect of it. So, right. and I, I understand that like with anything that you push the boundaries, are you are going to get hurt? Like, I mean, there's not yeah. like, I don't know one fighter that hasn't been injured trying to push the, push that red line, so to speak. But for instance, first exercise that pops into my mind, snatch barbell mm-hmm. snatch. Yeah. Um, and you and I had a I talk about it, which once again, I wish I would have recorded, but we can just have it. Um, <laughs> But like there seems to be certain movement patterns that like are very efficient as far as making a person strong and more endurance, whatever, but seem to like ride that line of of safety. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, like the kipping pull up, the snatch, which puts a lot of load on like the shoulder girdle with a, with a lot of heavy weight. And And I wanted to know what would be the efficacy for that for like. Because I don't know of a position, for example, where I'm going to be in a deep squat when my hand's overhead right outside my
1: shoulders, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to think about the speed and the demands of the sport itself. Right. So. Okay. Speed strength is, is really what you're, what you're talking about. So, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at Olympic weightlifting versus things like powerlifting uh, and the, the difference in that is going to be, you know, the Olympic lifts are the, uh, the clean and its variations, the jerk and its variations and the snatch and the variations of that. That's not going to get you systemically strong. You know what I mean. So if you're looking for systemic strength, that's not going to do it in the same way that squatting heavy, pressing heavy, and deadlifting heavy is going to do. You cannot load as heavy with that movement. It's not designed for that. It's more of speed and position, right? So inside of the fight game, you look at your strengths and your weaknesses and say, all right, where am I? Where am I lacking? Or you know, not just fight game. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert at it, right? But uh, I mean, you inside, in, in, inside of anything, right? Pick a goal. doesn't matter where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, what do you need to fill a hole in? Is it systemic strength? Is it position and mechanics? Is it timing? Um, so, you know, apply that to the fight setting. Now, what are some, what are, what are some dynamics that occur in there, right? Distance and timing. So if you can use distance and timing to catch a snatch overhead, yeah, maybe the movements exactly don't, don't apply, but one, the shapes do and two the concept of distance and timing does. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can find distance and land a punch easier based on the fact that you've thrown a barbell over your head a bunch of times and caught it in a squat, like that's definitely going to help you. That's going to help you with your overall athleticism, which is kind of the basis of CrossFit, you know, general physical preparedness, Mm -hmm. as well as the ability to catch things and, and, uh, like jump and catch, you know? Yeah. Uh, So that's distance timing, that's position, that's mechanics, and that's speed, that's getting your ass under a bar as fast as you freaking can, right? When you really start breaking down the Olympic lifts, they're super complicated, but in its base elements, it's a jump and a catch, and that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you need those skills, then you absolutely should be doing some Olympic weightlifting. Now, with that said, a lot of people, and I'm going to use football because I know I played college football, played it for years, played football for years, and coaches use Power, or I'm sorry, they use um, cleans and snatches way too much, especially the clean power clean. Mm. Uh, It's it's more of a speed movement. You're not going to get the systemic strength from that the same way you would squatting more, deadlifting more, pressing more, and uh, it can kind of muddy the waters uh, because there is there are more technical pieces to that. So. you have coaches that are kind of running outside their lane and teaching Olympic weightlifting, but don't really know Olympic weightlifting. Then just like anything, you run the risk of getting people confused and or hurt. Yeah. I remember that, like going through the CrossFit cert and I'm like,
0: man, we're, we're, I had had some weightlifting background, but Olympic lifting was, you know, newer to me when I first went through it, like back in 2000 or whenever that was. And, uh, I remember thinking like, man, we were here for three days and now we're going to have to turn around and show people how to do what is essentially a sport, like yeah. outside of, you know, like snatching and, and and all these like Olympic lifts, like people spend their entire lives cultivating the sport. Now, after three or four days, I'm going to go show someone how to do this for their own fitness and wealth. And right. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I, I hurt myself bad early on in CrossFit. <laughs> Because I just like I was studying it from online and I went to a four day course and just kind of try to figure it out. And then course become more sophisticated um, as we go. But I guess that is an issue, isn't it? Like people teaching stuff that's kind of out of their pay grade, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just like anything you get, you get a, uh, a CrossFit level one in a weekend, you know, two days now. And it's very condensed. It's very short. It basically is just CrossFit saying, okay, we trust you not to to completely kill everybody. But this, that's the beginning of the journey. You know what I mean? It's kind of like getting promoted to a blue belt. Like that is literally the beginning of your journey. You know what I mean? Taking the steps, you've taken action, you've gotten this far, good for you. Now you get to start. That's not the end. That is not that. That's not the end by any means. So if you take that as like, okay, cool, I've got this certification or I've got this blue belt. I'm going to go start my own place and, and teach people. Um, okay. I'm <laughs> not, you know, like, all right, good luck to you. But it, it might not go well. You're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. And hopefully you don't hurt people along the way, but it's like, you don't need to make those mistakes. We've already made them learn from other people. Keep learning, keep doing things, keep, you know, um, enhancing your your knowledge base and, you, and your ability to apply that knowledge to other people, um, so, yeah. That's a good correlation, the blue belt, because like, when I first started doing
0: jiu-jitsu and I opened up my own school, I had other skill sets, but I was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, and in the time, like blue belts were like gold. You know, everybody, there was very few of us around, but I was teaching people with, you know, whatever limited knowledge I had. And now I look back and go, man, like, how the hell would anyone ever open up a school with a, a blue belt in jujitsu now? You know? Right. Because the yeah. race is so great. Um,
1: yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Not to, now, not to say that you can't get a level one and open a gym or, or have a limited knowledge base and start to help other people because you totally can. But again, going back to that stay in your lane, like for you, when you learned, when you learned the snatch in that level one, you're not comfortable with teaching it yet. So what does that mean? That means like, hey, maybe you just stick to the, like I said, the variations of these movements, the muscle snatch, the muscle clean, the push press, like those are all variations of of the different movements. Now, if you really learn the base level of that stuff and basically teach teach a population like you're teaching a bunch of middle schoolers, you're good to go. Like you're not gonna mess somebody up with a muscle snatch, you, you, you'd be hard pressed to do that. You just can't load the bar as heavy enough to to move it you know it just won't move anymore Yeah, (laughs) yeah exactly exactly that makes sense so Kelly Starrett uh, from Lab talks about like category one, two and three movements and uh, category one come from a position of high stability moving through to another position of high stability. So that would be like a squat, a deadlift, a muscle snatch right where you're not getting that jump and land, uh, but you're still working hip drive, timing, turnover, all those other things. So it's uh, it's just kind of taking it another taking your education to another level and understanding what you don't have the capacity to do yet and then start layering from there. You know, because the last thing I would want anybody to take from this conversation is that you can't get a level one and start helping people because you absolutely can. But again, it's going back to the application. Now, how do you apply that level one knowledge to a client base to make the most impact appropriately for them?
0: Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Like even I would never tell someone, you know, if you're a blue belt, you can't teach someone. Like, I mean, if you have information that you can pass on, you should definitely pass it on and you should strive to be better right right yeah yeah definitely yeah so that makes that makes total sense i guess like for i mean so you deal with and i listened to the podcast you were just on uh just recently was that just recently
1: uh yeah it was a couple of weeks ago
0: okay yeah yeah so it's a little bit of a shift in, in pace but we're talking about like like shift workers right like yeah um and the the idea of down regulation the the yes. down regulation conversation has been something that stuck in my head ever since i listened to you uh-huh. talk about it and then i've been listening to um uh is it brian McKenzie? McKenzie, yeah dude brian's awesome he's the man yeah yeah that i mean he's a he's a he's a little guru like the, the idea of like down regulation and and, a, and an emphasis on it and first of all like if people aren't keen to these terms could you kind of Go over what we mean by like, like down-regulating versus up-regulating in, in layman's terms.
1: Okay. So um, I'm making the assumption that most people listening to this are, are fighters or, or martial artists or into self-defense, right? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So it, it it's literally up-regulation is fight or flight. That is what you feel when you go into the ring and you get punched in the face, right? Or you're getting in the middle of a scrum with with grappling and you're like, fuck, what's good? You know, that's that's fight or flight. Heart rate goes up uh sympathetic response is is elevated um, you know vasodilation all those things happen right so you go into fight or flight mode right the terms that are synonymous with that are fight or flight uh or freeze um sympathetic response or upregulation. they all mean the same thing for simplest terms upregulation is the easiest way to describe it. Like you, everything goes up, everything elevates so that you can get through a stressful event. Like you're ramping up for something you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Ramping up not to die is what your body's doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is uh that's upregulation, sympathetic response. And uh, uh, yeah, the, the other side of the coin is downregulation, parasympathetic response and uh, rest and digest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is, those two play off each other. It's it's your, it's your part of your autonomic nervous system. It's a physiological response to stress. So you go throughout your day and you will upregulate and downregulate many, many, many times. Um, so learning what the process is, how your body responds to stress can help you manage stress much better and then recover from it much, much better. Hmm. And I, I think this is important to hear because like,
0: especially coming from you, because like some, if someone were to categorize you, they don't know you, they look at this guy's like, This dude looks like Thor and <laughs> he must be all about upregulating. He must be all about ramping up and going hard in the paint and, and whatever. But you are really starting to emphasize the down regulation side of it, which a lot of young athletes, even older athletes, like like I'm getting better at it, but it, a lot of young athletes don't think about rest. They're just like, Let's go work out hard, push hard all the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah.
1: So I think so it's go- important
0: to hear it from a person like yourself and, and kind of give them a the reason like, okay, why, why is this so important now?
1: Yeah. So it's, it, why is it so important now for me? It's, it's learning to make this sustainable because where I started was not sustainable and I've learned some hard lessons along the way. Okay. Right. Um, so, you know, again, you know, I'm a cop, I'm, I'm on a SWAT team. I, I, I work shift work. Um, You know, I I do CrossFit. I've been to CrossFit regionals, so I played at a high level with that. I played college sports, uh, and now I'm 36 years old, and I've had a hip replacement, and, uh, you know, I've been through adrenal fatigue, and I've made some mistakes. Uh, I qualified for regionals in 2012, like we talked about, and then I didn't qualify in 13 and 14 because I didn't put the brakes on. I never stopped training hard, and I tried to push, 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 push if if regionals was good, then the next competition is going to be better. And then this is going to lead to this. And then by next year, this time I'm just going to have all these competitions under my belt and I'm going to do awesome. Looking back on it, what I did was I tried to do that and it just burned me to the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? So full blown adrenal fatigue, mm-hmm. can't next gear, can't recover. You a slew of, of bullshit, little injuries, pulls, tears, all the stuff that's like, man, I just can't get any traction. And then, uh, and then it just, the, the wheels start falling off, man. So, the, uh, the idea of down-regulating is so important. You have to know the other side of the coin. You can't just go hard all the time and expect that it's going to work well. No, you've got to give yourself, uh, you've got to give yourself rest. You know, it's like driving your car at hundred miles an hour. Like you can have a high performance vehicle and drive the shit out of that thing, but if you don't ever maintain the engine, it's going to blow up. These things are, are universal truths. Like you have to maintain your, your structure of whatever it is you're using, and you've got to learn how to downregulate. That's how we maintain our structure and our longevity within the intensity that, that we're using. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, and particularly
0: with the type of work that you do and the type of clients, I mean, first of all, you have quite a few clients that are, are law enforcement going to your CrossFit gym. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. And and even more with nutrition coaching, because we do a lot of that nutrition coaching remotely. Okay. So we're, a lot of cops from other agencies from outside states that are, uh, that are, that are wanting to work with us. It's pretty cool. And, and I, I guess a lot of people don't factor in
0: like the whole pie as far as like stressor, you know, like, um, in your last podcast, you talked about, you know, being a shift worker, you're working all these hours and then, you know, a guy gets three hours of sleep and then decides, you know, he wants to go to the gym and go hard on a lot. and <laughs> think yeah. that it's going to make him better. when the reality is he's probably should, Chill that day, or do more more mobility. Could you speak to that a little bit more? Like, just kind of getting an giving people an idea of like like the whole pie and why it's important to look at the whole thing.
1: Yeah. So when you're looking at uh, you're looking at your week, or you know, from a shift work standpoint, sometimes stuff gets gets thrown off, and you have to understand what that's doing to you physiologically. Like, uh, like I told you before we started, uh, my goal last night was to get off half hour to an hour early so that I could jump on the podcast with you and still be able to hit my workout the same way I wanted to, Hmm. uh, didn't happen. I worked till like 4am and, uh, only got about five and a half hours of sleep. So I know that's going to play an impact in the, in the training I do later today. So that's, that's a trade off that I've made. I chose to get up early to lose some sleep, to talk to you today. And then, uh, and I'm trading off with the intensity that I'm going to be able to train with later. Uh, So again, like going back to, let's say I I said, screw it. I'm just going to go hard today based on the fact that I've only had four or five hours of sleep, um, your hormones are not recovered. Your, your cortisol and your insulin levels, they, uh, they play off each other, right? Cortisol is stress hormone. And this goes back to kind of understanding the physiology and the biology that that's going on in your body all day. Um, so cortisol is a stress hormone, uh, that is finite. So if you keep spiking that and then you go and you get up early and your cortisol's off and then uh, you go train and your cortisol spikes and then say you get into, you know, uh, uh, a stressful incident later today with your family, let's say, or with a friend, right? Your your body doesn't know the difference between these events being physical or mental. So your cortisol is going to go up, 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 and then you're going to burn it out, right? So that's a finite thing. Hormones are finite. They don't just last forever. And once you burn through that cortisol, the only thing that you have left to buffer that out, if you're not, and again, this is, we could go to a whole nutritional conversation as well. Uh, if we're not fueling for the training we're doing, then you're burning up hormones. You're burning up your testosterone, your DHEA, your, uh, your DHT, like all those things are going to tank because you're not recovered. You're not fueled. And, uh, and then you're trying to apply intensity all the time and train until you puke, let's say like, that's like so many young athletes do. And, uh, and it's like intensity, 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 go hard, go hard, go hard, you know? And it's like, yes, but no, you have to understand where you're at and, and what's appropriate for you to do today. Now the fine line with that is saying, Hey, am I, am I just, am I being a pussy with this <laughs> or, or do I actually need to recover? You know what I mean? And with most people inside of going back to the, the groups that we talked about, you know, MMA, CrossFit, uh, cops, like, you know, high speed cops, military dudes that are really high speed. Getting them to go hard is like the easiest thing on, in the world. So you just say, Hey, go hard, run there to there. And they'll sprint and they, you won't even have to ask. They'll go hundred miles an hour. They'll train till they puke. That's not a big deal. They like doing it. We like doing it. Yeah. Um, what's a little harder to do is to get them to like, Pull the reins in and be like, "Listen, you need to understand how to not go intense, so that the days you go intense, you can burn it the fuck down." Mm-hmm. That's the point of down regulation. The point of down regulation is not to like not to go half-assed all the time. The point of down regulation and understanding that side of it is so that the days you do go intense, you can go really hard and you can really get some mileage out of that intensity. Uh, but if you use it all the time, it's it's just like you just can't tap that well as often as people do. And and expect things are going to go well. You're just going to burn yourself out. Makes sense. Remember uh, uh, Brian
0: uh, McKenzie saying that like you got to earn your workouts. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know, you got to. Instead of looking the other way around, like I got to like earn my calories. You know, like I got to I got to earn my workouts. If I really want to burn it down, like you said, get
1: your sleep, get your down regulation down, so that when you show up, you show up 100. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what we talked about with, uh, on Jason's show is, uh, you know, Charles Paul Quinn talks about that. Like you have to earn your carbs through your training. And, uh, really with, when you're talking about shift workers and, and all these other people with like normal stressors and, or abnormal stressors, I should say, um, uh, that, uh, that, yeah, you really have to earn your training through your food and your recovery, not the other way around. And, uh, there was a, I had a huge response of people that, that messaged me and, and, uh, tagged me in posts after that. And, uh, I think it was, it was really, really opening for people. It's like, yes, you do earn your carbs, but at the same in the, or your food or your calories or whatever you want to say it through your training, it goes the other way around as well. It's like, it's not, it's not just one or the other. It's like a circle. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh, my bad, man. That was you.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't give Brian credit
0: for my stuff. Jesus. I know man. I'm my bad. Like, <laughs> see? I'm, I'm, I'm lumping hard chargers. Like you guys all into one category. So it, met, it was meant to be a compliment. I was like, wait a minute. I know I heard that yesterday. Well, like, wait a minute. That was, that was Anthony. I was like, no, this guy. Yeah. That would, that stuck with me quite a bit, man. That's that we, because I, you know, I'm older athlete now I'm 42. I've had every injury on the planet. And in the last year, um, I've been hurt a lot like when when I was living in DC I had four major injuries back to back to back to back like you know like a a, a meniscus tear I had a pec tear minor um, my elbow you know you for you, you know, my, you know, my feelings everything was hurt <laughs> everything <laughs> and and and, hey man I'm trying to burn it down every day I'm trying to pick it up I'm trying to and it was funny because as soon as I started dealing with like even my life stress like you know relationship that wasn't going really really well living in a city that I that, that sucked not eating well not you know drinking way too much for example I was like those things started to kind of change and you know I'm looking more of it in longevity now you know like okay how can I do the things that I want to do for longer like can I be can I do the things I want to do when I'm 60 70 80 versus like yeah. okay burn it down early and then like i'm gonna be a wreck for half of my life because i had my heyday if that makes any sense
1: yeah so when you're talking about those uh like the first thing that jumps out to me is you are absolutely in some type of like hpa axis disorder or adrenal fatigue it's like the same thing right mm-hmm. so you know when you start getting a slew of little nagging injuries and it may be like a, a big one thrown in there um but uh you know, a pec tear, a hamstring pulse, some tendonitis, like stuff that just sidelines you or doesn't sideline you. It just kind of like has to, you have to dial it back because you just can't go hard enough, right? You can go hard, but not hard enough. Not, not where you want to go. And, uh, and you keep pushing, you push, you push, you push, and you try to toe that line, but you still get all these, like something else comes up, say elbow tendonitis, you know? So I would look at that and say, man, you are in a serious training debt. Uh, and, and your body has a funny way of slowing you down. And uh, it could be through an injury. It could be through a series of injuries. It could be through, you know, and then and then with that, your mindset, you know, starts to deteriorate. And you say you start questioning yourself and your abilities and, and as a person, like, who are you? Because, you know, most of the people listening to this and, you know, I'm the same boat, like really value our physical being and what we can do as an athlete. So when you can no longer do those things when they start getting taken from you, who are you? You know and then that leads to stuff like yeah like we're going out and drinking too much we're trying to find you know answers in the wrong places and uh and and really you just need to like dial it back take a step back and and then you know, really understanding the physiology and, uh, and, and then you can even take it to like, you understand breath work, and down regulation, then you can, that will help your mental state of mind as well. Mm-hmm. And understanding from a physiological standpoint, all of these different functions. Now you don't need to be a doctor in it, but just understanding sympathetic versus parasympathetic response and, and insulin and cortisol and how those two relationships play off each other will change your mindset drastically. You can identify them that, you know, I'm not a total piece of shit. I am just going through these physiological changes based on nutrition, hydration, rest, recovery, and training. You know? And then coming up with a game plan to circumvent that cycle, break that cycle, and and figure out like listen, what do I need to do for the mission that I have to accomplish? What are my goals? And then how do I how do I work myself out of this pit that I'm in? Yeah. That's a good that's a good point. Uh,
0: when you said something. You 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 huh. called a, uh, a syndrome or a symptom. Um,
1: I forget what you called it. What was that that name? Uh, it's HPA axis disorder, and uh, it's also known as adrenal fatigue. Adrenal fatigue is not uh, a super recognized term anymore, but it's pretty much the same thing. You know, um, going back to what we were talking about as far as all right. So I'm I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not. I, I want to just kind of preface this. I'm not bashing any specific diet, but yeah. this. The, but nutritionally, um, you got to use everything as a tool, right? And if you use the t- wrong tool for the wrong job, it's not going to track well for you, you know. Um, so let's just say CrossFit this is the easiest one for me to uh, kind of present CrossFit and keto, right? Keto's not bad. Keto has this application, but inside of the CrossFit space, if you're doing this type of thing, uh, this type of training, it's glycolytic. Glycolytic requires carbohydrate. So if you're eating keto, you're on like, what? 20 grams of carbs. Yeah. So trying to do a training, uh, a, a training modality that requires carbohydrates and you're only on 20 carbs a day, is probably not gonna go real well for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. with that said, If you are on 20 grams of carbs and doing crossfit at a high intensity for, let's say five to five to six days a week, right? Um, you don't have any carbohydrates to pull for fuel. So your body's going to create fuel. Okay. And that will, you'll pull all your glycogen, you use that all up, and then you start burning through cortisol. Once you burn through cortisol, like I said, you go into your sex hormones. And then when those are used up, because again, they're finite, you can only tap that well so many times, then you go into adrenal fatigue. And, uh, and, and you, your body will protect itself. Your body's really good at not dying. So if it mm-hmm. thinks it's in a, st- a chronic state of stress, though, it's like, okay, oh, I'm going to die. If I keep doing this, it won't let you do it. So you won't be able to find that next gear of intensity, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and push to the point where your body's going to get hurt. Your, your central nervous system will put a restrictor on it. and, uh, and anybody that's ever done any high competitive sport, especially in, within that, uh, kind of like CrossFit style or even fighting. Fighting's totally glycolytic, yeah. right? So it's that clash and and break, clash and break, clash and break. All right, minute off and then go again. So you've got all these little intervals instead of bigger intervals. Th- that's glycolytic. That's CrossFit. It's the same freaking thing. Jiu-jitsu, same way. Um, so... Yeah, if you're not feeling appropriately for that, you will start to go into some type of uh, metabolic adaptation, HPA axis disorder, something bad like that is going to happen. It's going to revolve around nutrition, hormones and recovery.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you made that, the, that transition because that's where I wanted to go to the whole keto, paleo, whatever. So I, I dabble with the whole keto thing. I, yeah. I, I say dabble because the more research I did, I was like, I didn't do that right. <laughs> I didn't do that right at all, <laughs> Man, my, my body told me I wasn't doing it right, but um, I, you know, the keto seems to be the fad now, right? Everyone wants to be on the the high fat diet. Um, before that, it was like eat like a caveman, be right. paleolithic, and 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 all this stuff. And you alluded to the i like the idea of like the keto diet and and how it has its place in and and some things and doesn't. What are the benefits of? Okay, what would be the benefits of doing a keto diet versus like the the downside of it? Because I noticed that with the keto stuff, when I tried to do work like hard workouts, yeah, I was bonking bad, man. Yeah, I, I tell the story and, uh, and and um, I went to Minnesota to do a a, a handgun boot camp, and um, I'm, I'm hanging out with my buddy Todd Fossey. And everybody in Minnesota eats potatoes, potatoes, bread, and I hadn't had a potato and bread in forever, right? So he takes me to go do a workout that included like cert pistol stuff, but I'm pushing sleds and all that. But I've been eating potatoes and bread and stuff with him for days when I hadn't eaten any for forever. And I felt like a superhero. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, apparently carbohydrates work really well for hard workouts. (laughs) Yeah, go figure. (laughs) Yeah, imagine, you know, imagine that, right? So I... But then you hear all this stuff like, oh, people are like, oh, well, you know, keto works and keto is good for this and keto is good for that. So from someone who understands it well, like, first of all, could you tell people what keto is and then what are the pros and cons behind it?
1: So keto, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in keto. It's not really something that I've I've done a ton, Um, but yeah, it's in essence a like 70% fat based diet and about 30% protein uh so, and and pretty much like zero to ten percent carbs right um so it's it does a number of things taking out an entire carbohydrate or an entire macronutrient so your macronutrients are carbs fats and proteins before we get into anything too deep with it sure. um, those are the three macros so if you hear the term macros that's what I mean carb fat or protein um but uh yeah you're basically removing an entire macronutrient uh which is fine in a short term um, it does have really, really good benefits for anybody with, uh, that's experienced like traumatic brain injury. Um, you know, some, uh, autoimmune protocols are not bad using some keto stuff, uh, gut health. If you want to really focus on, on, healing up your gut, you can, you can actually eat less, less volume of food because it's more calorically dense. Fat is more calorically dense than carbohydrate, Right. Um, So you can eat less volume of food. It can provide time for your for your gut to kind of heal. So it does a number of things really, really well. Um, And if you like the best application of keto that I've seen is uh, and I don't I don't know enough about this. You know, I need to do a little bit more research is John Wellborn's approach. John Wellborn played in the NFL for 15 years. He ran CrossFit football and uh, he is uh, I think he's doing uh, power athlete I think is, is, his, his company now, mm-hmm. but he did a cyclic keto approach throughout his years in the NFL, which he really attributes to the fact that he doesn't have any major lasting brain trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play 15 years in the NFL, that is, that is going to be traumatic on your brain. Like no question about it. Yeah. So, um, I, I, really, from, from a standpoint of appropriate application of keto, a cyclic way to use it is, is seems to me to be the most beneficial right because most people that you do keto they are not even in ketosis unless you're pissing on the on the keto strips you're you're probably missing the point right Mm -hmm. um and then how sustainable is it within our lifestyle because if you want to stay keto all the time like dude like i don't know how that's how you're going to manage life honestly you know and there's and that's something to look at too yeah um I guess it would be better off, like, cause so, so nutrition
0: is a big aspect of what you do for, for a, a living, a profession. You, yeah. You know, quite a few definitely. professionals coming to you and, and getting um, advice and getting counsel, consultation for that. What are some, because like diet seems to be like a lifestyle now, like people want to claim that they're part of a tribe. You know, like I'm part of the keto tribe I'm part of the paleo uh, right, tribe yeah. and it becomes this thing that you, you kind of attach to, but at the end of the day, our, you know, our food is a tool, right? Mm-hmm. To keep us, yeah. to keep us alive. So what are some common pitfalls that you've noticed as far as, um, your, I guess in the modern day and as far as your clients, what are some common pitfalls you've seen from people and what have you done to kind of like help rectify that?
1: So as far as nutritionally pitfalls that, that when people come, come to me, let's just, let's just say from, uh, from Grom Zero, right. The issues that I see are again, misapplication, you know, so they've got all these ideas and everybody knows, don't eat Doritos and Oreos every freaking day, like that's not healthy. So the education piece is they are sort of, but they really need more education on the physiological responses to what they're doing, right? And then combining that with how you're training. So again, going back to the keto thing, keto is not bad for a specific application of it, but if you're trying to do high intensity CrossFit, uh, MMA, the stuff you did with Todd was a direct, uh, is, is directly glycolytic. So it's basically a CrossFit workout inside of uh, some sort pistol training, right? So that requires carbohydrate, uh, in a big way. And since you added the carbs, you felt like freaking like you're running on jet fuel. Um, so you, you applied the nutrition appropriately, albeit by accident, but you did it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's having people understand the, uh, the stress that they're going through with their training and making sure that they're fueling for their goals and, uh, and, and applying the nutritional information that they see online in, in an appropriate fashion in the quantity that they need to. Cause most people are under eating. You know, I've only seen in all my clients, uh, I've only ever seen two people that have been like, dude, you're eating too much. We got to back down a little bit. Really? That's, yep. Everybody else has been under eating. Huh. You know? So yeah, so that, that's, uh, from like a ground zero level, that's, that's where we start. And then that's from, uh, just the informational perspective, but there's also the whole entire, you know, um, mindset piece. Where, you know, you really start digging into stuff with people and you're like, dude, you don't have a food issue. You've got a self-esteem issue. Mm. And, and how do you navigate that? Being a, being a nutrition coach, being sort of a mentor without trying to step into the role of, uh, you know, Dr. Megan Horn, right? <laughs> so, so we're not psychologists. We're not, we're not counselors. But at yeah. the same time, you've got to be able to identify those, those, uh, those behavioral issues so that you can kind of help to circumvent that to create change in the client.
0: Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm, I'm making some tweaks just in my own diet now. I tell I, I shamelessly tell people that I do a podcast just so I can have conversations to help me out. If yeah. I'm gonna you know share it with people. Yeah. Because um, once again, I go back to being the older athlete. You know, like I don't I I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, and the diet part is becoming a big factor. But now I find myself questioning everything everything i've yeah. ever ever eaten like oh shit can i eat bread uh should i eat a <laughs> sweet potato again I feel good on them, but damn it i want to eat something else um do i eat beans do i not eat beans like it, there's so much variation in what people can tolerate and what their you know their gut biome will allow them to do um so it it becomes a hard world to to navigate yeah but what would what, what do you tell people you know like what what do you tell people to eat nowadays? <laughs> what can not uh, because if you add, if you listen to any diet if you listen to put all the diets together, basically right. the only thing they agree on is water. <laughs> Maybe a, vi- so, a green leafy vegetable. You know.
1: Yeah. So again, I mean, it's not it's not that food, one food is good, one food is bad. You know, like I said, like you can't make a you can't make a whole nutritional plan out of pizza and Doritos. You know, but what do pizza and doritos do to you you know what i mean when is it appropriate because sometimes it's it's a totally appropriate to eat those foods sure. so you know based on your set of circumstances again it depends right mm-hmm. so it, it's it's all about the application of that food and then really starting with the lowest hanging fruit like are you eating out five times a week can we reduce that to three you know what I mean? Are you drinking two, two liters of Mountain Dew a day? Can we back it down to one maybe? You know what I mean? Like starting with the lowest hanging fruit and building up from there. Um, the issue comes, and you could say the same with martial arts. Like if I don't even know in, in jujitsu, if I don't even know how to pull guard and, and basic jujitsu positions, should I be worrying about some rolling umaplata? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, probably not. So, you know, again, if you're just coming to me and you don't really have a whole lot of nutritional background, and then all of a sudden we're trying to jump to a cyclic keto or carb cycling type thing that's a little bit more involved, like um, maybe we need to back down a couple steps and just get you to stop drinking two, two liters of Mountain Dew every day, you know, Um, make these things manageable. So, you know, as far as what to eat, I don't know. It depends on the person. It really, really does. And this is what separates having a nutrition coach from some templated approach right Mm -hmm. so a lot of a lot of nutrition companies will do um a low cost it's like 20 40 bucks to get this template and then you put in your stats your height your weight and they send you this generic plan now 50 50 man you're really rolling the dice on that based on where you're at is that going to match up with your needs you have no clue and it's just putting blind faith in a piece of paper that costs you 20 bucks i wouldn't do that you know that's just me though um, but, uh, but the application of this specific knowledge is, is what's going to answer those questions because there's an appropriate time and place for pretty much everything, um, for the most part. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then two, you look at the, uh, you, this is going down a whole nother conversation, but mindset, right? So if I told you, Hey, pizza, Doritos and uh, beer is no good for you. You can never have it again is that going to be sustainable? If you told that to me, I'd be like, no, no I'm not going to do that. And then fat. Yeah. Right. You're like, okay, well, you're not going to work for me. I guess. Yeah. I guess I just give up. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not the case. Right. So you can find, you can find balance between food quantity, food quality, uh, you know, and then, uh, and then another balance between this, you know, if it fits your macros approach to where you can just have pop tarts and ice cream. And if it fits your macros, you'll lose weight. And, uh, and, which is like true of 20 year olds, but when you get into thirties, forties and beyond, like that shit doesn't work. Damn it. So um, balancing that with a food quality approach. And then, uh, and then managing all that inside of your lifestyle, you know, cause there is the whole, you cannot remove the emotional component to food. You can't do it. It's a part of society. It's ingrained to in us as human beings. It's, it's been part of what we do since the beginning of time. You know, you get together, you socialize and you have food. So if you were to say, listen, you can never have this, this food item that's part of your family's tradition, you know, then, uh, then, well, that's, that's, that's a non-negotiable. Like, that's not going to work. That person's not going to have a mindset to for success when really you can have that. Like, say I have pizza with my kids when we go, when we rent a movie, let's say, right. Um, that's, and that's a good example. Cause that's like a non-negotiable for me when we get, when, you know, when I have an off day, which is rare and we get a movie, we also get pizza and have some ice cream. That's non-negotiable for me. And my nutrition coach knows that. Right. So, um, uh, so how do you apply all of that inside of your plan? You know? Yeah. Well, and
0: that goes back to the whole, uh, down regulation conversation we had earlier and approaching it from a two pronged approach. Like it's not only what you put in your body, but like your internal workings. Like if I'm, stressed out about my diet all the time, my cortisol levels are going to be higher and therefore I'm still going to hold on to fat no matter what I eat. So Bingo. I have to find a way to kind of meet it from 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 both ends.
1: Yeah, and I've got clients where tracking macros is way too stressful. And uh and and that's what we do, we're primarily macro based and we also look at food quality. So we really blend all the worlds. But if if you come to me and you're like, dude, I just had this conversation yesterday with a client where she's like, I don't have a whole lot of numbers from the last five days. I've got all this stuff coming up. I was like, that's it. Tracking break. You're done. Like you, I don't want you tracking a single macro for the next two weeks. We'll talk about food quality and, and, um, and situational application for these things, but I don't want you tracking shit. Right. And there's a time to not track, you know, it's just one tool inside of a vast toolbox and and taking that and applying it, you know, over and over again in different ways. That's, uh, that's where you create change, you know? had a fighter. He was getting ready for his uh, Bellator de- debut several
0: years ago. And he was fighting a heavyweight as an amateur. But it was very clear that, like, okay, you're too small to be a heavyweight at the professional level. You're like, you're not Brock Lesnar. We're going to yeah. have to, like, bring you down on not- a couple of notches. and Because uh, he was walking around in that sweet spot of, like, 225, 230. And we needed to get him at 205. So he started dieting. He started cutting down. And he got to a point where he was, like, within... 15 20 pounds of it and he got stuck and mm. he was like man coach i don't know what to do i'll like, say this is what i want you to do i want you to go home i want you to eat a big fat burger and i want you to do it again the next day and i don't want to see you in the gym for three or four days and then come talk to me and he yeah. comes back he's like dude i lost five pounds and then his weight started <laughs> kind of coming off <laughs> yeah. but it was because he was stressing it you know what i mean like his body needed a little shock like a break from like all the
1: the work of it you know yeah. So what you got him to do was downregulate. You fed him a bunch of like you, you spiked his calories up. You got a good insulin response, which lowered the cortisol, right? Which then helped him mentally relax, physically relax. And then boom, all of a sudden stuff starts tracking again. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what, and that's part of the downregulation conversation. Uh, we didn't touch it very much, but insulin and cortisol are, are on a, uh, on a teeter totter basically. So cortisol goes up, insulin goes down. And then what this is like post, like you know, 101 post-workout nutrition, your cortisol goes up during training, right? Insulin drops, you have to add in a carb at the end of that workout, especially if we're talking glycolytic, add that carb in, insulin goes up, drops cortisol, right? Right. If we don't do that, we're staying in a chronically elevated state of stress, right? So you've gotta add those carbs in post-workout when you're doing stuff like jiu-jitsu, fight training, CrossFit, uh, high intensity intervals, that you need that carbohydrate post-workout, right? that's super important and that controls those hormones so again going back to that the physiological responses of what's going on in your body and understanding what's going on with you right and how and how do you how do you optimize that
0: huh never thought of that That that's a great way to look at it, that the insulin cortisol teeter-totter yeah it makes total sense okay see I, I knew what i was talking about even when i didn't know what i was talking about yeah <laughs> i mean yes right.
1: In, intuitively you knew that this dude needs a break he needs to eat a meal he needs to relax and he needs to he needs to come back and, and, and recharge his batteries and then hit it hard right in the process he did all of those things right so it's kind of like uh, what I did at CrossFit regionals when I was doing paleo which is not optimal for CrossFit but that was back in the day when that's all people did and uh, and I was traveling a lot so I ate a bunch of carbs like leading up to the regional competition ended up same thing that you experienced with uh, with Todd. Had, uh, had a great performance, did really, really well. And then looking back on it, I was like, oh, I was eating more carbs. I was fueling for the, for the energy system that I was training in, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a lot to be said about intuitively knowing what to do based on prior results, but then understanding why that occurred so you can replicate that stuff on purpose. Yeah, good point, that's a great, that is an excellent point. So,
0: I wanna shift gears here to the conversation about cold. Cold yeah. water, cold baths, cold showers. So I remember when I talked to you last time, I uh, you you were you were one of the few people that I talked to. That I'm like, okay, I'd consider doing it because this guy made it make a whole lot of sense to me. And now, and then ever since then, I've been you know studying Wim Hof stuff, um, listening to different people and their experiences. Um, and I know, like cold cold baths is not a new thing to athletics. People have been doing. Right cold baths for forever but it seems like there's been a shift on why people do it and uh so I've been taking cold showers every morning now since you know not since we talked it took me a couple of months to kind of beat the bitch out of me and, get me and go and do it <laughs> but uh but could you tell people why what is the importance the real importance of in your opinion the 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 cold water the cold immersion the showers and things of that nature
1: yeah. So with the cold exposures, it is uh, it's it's all about the autonomic nervous system upregulating versus downregulating. Right. So when that cold water hits you, whether it's a cold shower or a, or a full you know immersion in in an ice tub, uh, your your body's going to go into a, a fight or flight response. You're going to upregulate a ton. And again, your body's really good at, at sending you signals so that you don't die. It's thinking you're going to freeze to death right so it's telling you get out of the water get the hell out like and and it's it slams all of your uh, all of your blood vessels shut right it sends all of your blood back to your core um and uh and and makes you kind of panicky so if you've ever done a, f- a full immersion uh you start to get that <laughs> where you start to like you know hyperventilate and uh and that's 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 a sympathetic that's an upregulatory response right um so putting yourself in that state on purpose in a safe environment can have really beneficial results. Right? So once you get into that, into that water and, uh, and I experienced this big time when I started doing uh, full immersions for the first time, uh, that, uh, that I couldn't catch my breath. It was just, <laughs> and, uh, and, what that says if, if you get in the water and you have a harder time catching your breath versus friends of mine that have done it and they and yeah they, they get panicky but not to the extent that I did that tells you you are more of a high anxiety based person you're holding more of that that stress right mm-hmm. uh, because you you're so high rev that your body goes higher rev to get you out of the cold and and you can barely function right yeah. so it's going to tell you where you are on that up or down regulation, like spectrum, right? Are you more high anxiety or are you more rest and digest or relax? Like, where are you? Um, so yeah, getting into the cold, that's going to tell you a lot about that. And then, uh, and then specifically upregulating, but why do we want to upregulate? Why do we want to get cold? So the point is not to get cold. The point is to warm back up again. The point is to allow the other side of that coin to really kick in overdrive. Mm. So you upregulate, so that you can get out and then down regulate, right? So the the best way that I've, I've heard it described is Brian McKenzie talking about his dogs. So your dogs, anybody that's got dogs knows this, right? They, they start freaking out, you let them outside and they just tear around the yard for like, you know, two, three minutes straight, hard as they can. And then you let them back in and then what do they do? They crash out, right? They're not gonna move for the next, you know, four hours, right, they're just gonna sleep. So they've, they, they know intuitively based on, based on their DNA that they need to go upregulate and then downregulate, right? That's based on what they need to do. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're the same way. If you put yourself in a situation where you upregulate really hard, if you put, take yourself out of that situation and then allow yourself to, to calm down, man, you will sleep like a rock. Right? Mm-hmm. So as far as application, you say you do cold in the morning, that's fine. Right? Uh, upregulating hard in the morning. And then as long as you allow yourself to back down a little bit, right? Afterwards. And then you can really focus and move about your day. Uh, I do that occasionally. I'm, I'm a bigger fan based on my situation as a, uh, as a shift worker, I'll do cold when I get home from shift. Okay. So I'll do, and we're talking like three minutes. We're not talking like a 20 minute ice bath, right? We're talking, you know, three minute cold shower, or if you're doing full emergence, 10 breaths as slow as you can. Right? So if you get into the cold exposure into the, into the tank and your 10 breaths are, <laughs> you're only gonna be in there for like 30 seconds, if not less, right? Yeah. But if you can slow those breaths down, you know, and make them really slow inhales, really slow exhales, then you earn more time in the ice. Uh, but that just tells you where your autonomic nervous system, your central nervous system is at, right? From a recovery standpoint too, and from a from an ability to handle stress. Um, so yeah, you're talking 10 breaths or three minutes in cold shower at the absolute top end, get out and then crash out, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I
0: started doing it this week at night, and it's definitely helped me sleep. Cause I'm I'm a notorious night owl. Like I'll get home and I get I don't get done teaching till like you know eight thirty nine o'clock. Sometimes I roll in here at nine nine thirty. My my last meal is you know nine thirty. You know, mm-hmm. and then. I'm trying to chill out, but generally, what'll happen? I'll turn the TV on. I'll start to watch like freaking Game of Thrones or something. That's really right. not helping me down regulate, but yeah. it entertains me. And then I have a hard time sleeping. And mm. the the cold the cold water uh, really helped. But you're saying that more importantly, being able to like down regulate after you up regulate is like kind of the the the, the goal,
1: the key, yeah. being able to like oh. bring your sympathetic ner- nervous system down. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's all about calming down, right? It, you're, you're sending yourself into a really, really high rev sympathetic response, upregulating hard as you can, right? And then allowing yourself to, to transition back. If you allow yourself to transition and calm down, it, your, your body will take over and it will know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our issues as human beings, like we're a lot smarter than our dogs, right? So we're so smart that we can continue to upregulate and never downregulate. And that becomes an issue, right? But if you allow yourself and you understand the response, dude, like you can, you can do some, some really cool stuff as far as increasing sleep, you know? And I would say from your perspective there, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do from a, a nightly routine that we can clean up your sleep just based on sleep hygiene. And, uh, and then that, and then sleep is obviously a huge factor in Recovery down regulation all those other things too. so it really becomes like just individual pieces to the puzzle How does nutrition affect sleep? How does cold affect sleep? How does that all affect your central nervous system and your autonomic nervous system and then putting it together? based on a new you for your lifestyle, okay, Do you have then, a, um, a, a
0: Freezer refrigerator or some type of um thing that you use to to submerse yourself I, I saw it in the i saw the one you had in the gym
1: and uh yeah so i've got it i've got a deep freeze that i've uh that i i put silicone and uh and on all the all the uh seams and then filled that with water so it, you just plug it in and put it on a timer and it always stays cold but not frozen and uh you just got to change water out every week or so but uh but yeah i'll use that and that's at the gym and then uh when i'm when i'm coming home from shift I just take a really cold shower uh, as cold as it'll go and again you're talking three minutes max you know enough to get systemically cold and then uh, and then you know allow yourself to warm back up and calm down yeah I think you'll like that book um, What Doesn't Kill Us yeah I gotta check that out
0: yeah cause they um, the guy trains with Wim Hof he also trains, trains with Brian in the okay. process of it Intervie- he uh, interviews quite a few military people who are using these um, and I think and I told you going into this conversation that my whole goal also is just to become a better actualized human being. Um, I'm a big consciousness type person, and I think like understanding the human vessel and 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 the different ways that it kind of interacts with this world and this environment. And I think that some of these natural things that we used to have, like we used to have to deal with cold weather, we used to have to deal with not being able to eat when we wanted to eat. We had to. Fight the saber-toothed tiger that came around the corner. Like, we had all these like natural things that happen to us in a regular environment that our our bodies are used to dealing with and then having reward centers within our body to, you know, uh, keep us alive, essentially. And in modern-day world, we don't have that. Like, we, you know, I can go into this house and my temperature can be 74 degrees all the time. You know, I eat whenever I want to eat. Um, I fight all the time, but most people don't. And so like people don't know how to deal with those stressors anymore and we're sick as a result of it. Do you think there's like a healing property to like this type of stuff? I guess it would be in a sense that the, the down regulation aspect of it, right? Like right. will be part of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean there are there are so many. You get into the Wim Hof stuff, and uh, Wim's Wim's a big time hippie with the stuff. So you can take this as as deep as you want with breath and with cold and with recovery. So you can use it for its utilitarian approach only, and say like, yeah, this plus this equals this, based on from a physiological response. But you can also really kind of peel those layers back and start to get into more of the you know like. Um, Ancestral part of it and the uh, the meditative part of it, right? So it it all has its place uh, With within that same space.
0: Yeah, which is funny because a lot of the stuff that the mystics knew for forever Science is starting to back up now.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, like things like breath work and meditation and you know monks going up to the top of freaking mountains and meditating in in the Himalayas and, and generating heat while they're doing it seemed like magic and then all of a sudden this Winhoff guy comes by and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. But now I'm going to plug probes to my body and show that physiologically it's possible for all people. I just think it's fascinating that we're at that point now uh-huh. that we can, we can explain it in a way that like, I guess fits for all types. Like if you're more scientifically proof based, well, here's your proof. And then if you're a little bit more on the woo side, well, you know,
1: follow the monks, <laughs> do what the monks yeah. do. It, it kind of goes back to the, uh, to the to the idea that there are there are certain truths that that are are universal and and how do you find those cuz the any path you're on is going to lead you to truth you know it's just how long is it going to take you to get there you know and what's what's your what's your journey with it so that's that's true from a, a physiological you know side of things from a spiritual side of things there are there are certain truths that we might not even know yet but everyone's going to get to the truth at some point right yeah but so just what's your journey look like along that path yeah. That was deep,
0: man. That was philosophical. <laughs> I'm writing that down. I'll make sure I quote you, <laughs> at least the first ten times. And I'll steal it, like I do everything else. Where uh, where can people get in in touch with you and contact with you, um, learn more from you, get more information from you?
1: Yeah, so social media outlets are going to be the easiest way. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Instagram at uh, um, Thor one, eight, four, six, uh, underscore alpha nutrition. Okay. Um, you can also find me at alpha nutrition systems and then uh CrossFit tactical strength. That's on Instagram, on Facebook, it's Anthony Michael. And then uh, you can also re- reach me at the gym at CrossFit tactical strength as well.
0: Cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm going to have tons of more questions. I'll have you, I'd love to have you on, your, on the show again. Um uh, and I'm definitely throwing my, my hat, my hat into the ring. As far as your nutrition program, I'm going to want to sign up and get some Sweet. ideas from you. And then
1: I'll go buy a freezer. Damn it. <laughs> man. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we kind of did like a survey, like a shotgun approach to a bunch of different things. I would love to come back on and do like a deeper dive into, into some topics man. Yeah. Thank you. That'd be awesome, man. All right,
0: everybody. Uh, thanks for joining in on the show. Remember, you are a fighter the day you decide to become one. Today might be that day. Take care, everyone. Have a good one. another great episode of The Fight Focus I hope you all learned as much from that as I did for show notes and links visit us on the web at www.thefightfocus.libsen.com. you can now also check us out on iTunes and Spotify just search The Fight Focus please like, subscribe and share the page um, you sharing our podcast means the world to us. It allows us to get our word out and share what we find valuable and hopefully you find valuable too. Take care, everyone. Stay focused.